Hi, Peter Borker here and welcome to today's edition of The Transition Guy. Now joining me today in the studio is Zoltan Vardy, who is a startup mentor and B2B sales expert. Welcome, Zoltan. Hi, Peter. Thanks very much for having me on. So, I mean, B2B revenue and sort of being this startup mentor, how did you get into this in the first place? Mm-hmm. Well, I think, you know, for me, it was a it was a path uh, that started with um, really understanding that, you know, business to business tech founders largely struggle with selling, right? There tend to be more product focused folks. They they understand products, they understand the product development process, but they're not really comfortable with selling. And so actually what I do now is I help tech founders who struggle with sales to sell and market specifically enterprise clients. And I do this by applying a blueprint that I created called the launch code. And the the launch code itself kind of captures, I think, what is unique in my background, that it combines two very distinct mindsets. So it brings kind of the structure and the experience that comes from closing over $2 billion in business-to-business deals that I did as a senior corporate executive, mostly in the media industry. But uh, but it also introduces some of those elements that are the reality of building business, which is that you you know you're you're clawing and scratching and, and and trying to be very efficient in execution. So it's kind of combining those two different approaches, is I think what's uh, what's been my point of view, as to how I got here in the first place. Um, you know, it was a journey. Uh, six years ago, I finished a twenty year corporate career in sales and general management. Um, I was in some big jobs in the in the corporate world. My most senior role, I was senior vice president of global sales for NBC Universal. International's television uh, based out of London. Um, so overseeing a multi hundred million dollar business in 30 countries. I left that world. I wanted to get into something more entrepreneurial and it didn't take me very long to realize that founders, while very knowledgeable and passionate about their products, they didn't understand sales. They struggled with explaining why customers should buy what they're selling. They didn't have a sales process in place. They lacked the ability to set targets. So a lot of those things that are kind of fundamental to the process. And so so what I realized is that there could be a, a real opportunity to support them um, in a professional services basis to help them, you know, kind of create that that clear offer, that that structured sales process, that target focused execution that ultimately um, is going to help them build and scale their business to generate predictable recurring revenues, which is, I think, ultimately the, the goal of any any growing business. Yeah, and I think you you said something interesting earlier was the fact you use the term enterprise customer. Yeah, which for probably most businesses starting out, that is like the holy grail of sales. Mm, people dream yeah. of, people dream of getting this enterprise-sized customer where they're going to just get. That's going to be their golden goose. Yeah, yeah. Now, in reality, is an enterprise customer truly a golden goose? Well, you know, I, I think you have to put it. Uh, in the proper context, right? So enterprise sales in itself is a long-term sales cycle. Um, it's talking to big customers who are buying high ticket items or high ticket uh, uh, deals. Um, so you have to kind of prepare yourself mentally for the fact that it's going to be a, a long road. However, um, once you get to the the end of that road, it's likely to generate a significant value to you um, as a company um, because enterprise customers, while hard to gather and capture, are are uh, easier to uh, to keep because the the pain of change is much greater from the customer's perspective. Long story short, I think enterprise sales is a um, is a game of patience. It's a game of focus, um, and it's understanding that not all enterprise customers are created equal. There are some that are more relevant for startups and there are early stage companies and there are ones that are not relevant. And I think understanding the difference is, is critical. Oh, thank you. 
what when you talk about a long process a long sales process what does that typically look like mm-hmm. well i think the general accepted um time span is kind of six to 12 months that's a reasonable amount of time you could expect to to come to an agreement with a large enterprise customer um anything shorter than six months is unusual anything more than 12 is probably um ineffective i mean there's something wrong there if it's t- taking more than 12 months um, I think the way you shorten that process is, first of all, start by targeting the right type of enterprise customers. And there's a couple of things that I always tell my 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 companies I work with to keep in mind. So I would say you have to hunt for deer and not elephants. Um, and what that means is that, you know, there are big lumbering organizations that are, um, you know, market leaders and and have very little initiative or, or um, inclination to change or to try out new things because they don't have to, right? They're the big guys. There's a whole nother layer of enterprise customers that I call the deer that are the challengers in any category, right? They're the ones that are are more open to innovation because they have an internal motivation to try to, to become market leaders. And so trying to um, work with these deer in any particular segment or vertical that you target is is a good way to start. Um, the other thing I would say is you want to work mostly and target mostly companies that are privately held and not publicly traded. And the distinction there is that privately held companies generally are um, willing to take greater financial risk um, with new suppliers because they don't have these quarterly results that they have to deliver. Um, that's not the case, of course, with publicly traded companies. Uh, the other thing I would say, you want to start talk to um, headquarters of companies, right? So big multinationals often will have subsidiaries who um, who may seem independent on paper, but they don't really have decision-making authority. So getting to the decision-maker at headquarters level um, are, is a great way. And then the final char- character- characteristic I would emphasize is looking for companies that are what I would call startup-friendly. Um, you know, They already have some indication that they're open to working with companies. They've got a corporate accelerating program. They've got maybe a corporate venture capital arm. Um, maybe they have a relevant leadership role called you know head of innovation or startup relations or things like that, right? So you can always get a sense that these companies have you know, basically created some sort of openness to working with early companies. So, you know, if I had to kind of capture the essence of the perfect enterprise customer for an early stage business, challenger position, privately held, strong headquarter based decision making, and ultimately a startup friendly environment. The sort of, especially the deers, mm-hmm. are there any suppliers they would tend to shy away from? Because like in the UK, and it, it varies, it varies. But government statistics say there may be 5.4 million SMEs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at least sort of 4.2 or 4.3 of them would be one-man bands. Mm-hmm. Would these sort of enterprise customers typically look at the one-man bands or would they be looking for companies that can supply with more of a substantial backup? Yeah, I think I think that's always a question, right? Uh, I, I sat on the the buying side on on the corporate side for many years, so I can speak to that. You know, you know what's the mindset of the buyer, right? So they want to, you know, you, you know the, the the fundamental motivating factor of any corporation is the striving for certainty, right? That's why you have you know months of planning and scenario plans and meetings about what you're going to have in the meeting, right? It's all about kind of creating a, a really clear, certain environment, and so. You know, working with companies that by nature are uncertain um, is is a risk, right? So, and then you have to kind of understand that mindset. The way you can work around that is by uh, you know doing a couple of things. First, 
um, it starts with solving a problem that matters, right? So the last thing you want to do is to uh, sell a service to an enterprise that at the end of the day doesn't really affect their bottom line or has any particular impact on their on their business because that's what people are motivated to do, right? Generate new revenues, save costs. Anything else is the nice to have category. And of course, when the world is blooming and everything's everybody's happy, the nice to have things are bought. In this environment, which we're operating now, nice to have things are set aside. So focusing on need to have problems, I think, is a really critical step. The second, you have to build credibility quickly. And this goes to your point, you know, how do you become credible as a single operator potentially? Well, the way you do that is you, first of all, present a professional uh, approach, right? So when you're pitching to them, you sound like and and, and present like a professional that they can, you know, uh, relate to. Um, you show your past corporate experience, potentially, if you have it, that gives them comfort that, you know, you're talking to somebody that's got, you know, has sat in their chair and they understand that environment. Um, you know, they, you know, you prove that you're here to say. So, you know, again, as in the startup world, right, one of the things that, that you can do to build your credibility is to highlight your investors, the fact that you've got funding, the fact you've got runway. These are all things that build credibility. And then ultimately, once you've got those boxes ticked, I think that's where the, the sales portion gets into, you know, how do you access the decision maker? How do you get an internal champion who can support you in that process? So, you know, it's, it's a, it's a puzzle. There are many different elements there that you have to get right in order to be successful in, in, in enterprise sales. So how do you help? So when you, when you're helping sort of these startups, yeah. <clears throat> how do you help them navigate this process? Mm-hmm. So it's quite complicated. Yeah, it, it is indeed. But but I think you know the the great thing about um, I think my approach is that I actually try to simplify it, right? Because at the end of the day, you know, uh, if you have enough insight into how the process goes, then you can create a lot of simple steps in order to 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 make it more um, more effective and less painful. Uh, you know, the the three fundamental problems that I discovered early stage startups have are they don't have a focused offer a message, right? So they can't articulate in very clear terms what problem they solve for who and why they're better than the competition. So the whole first pillar of the launch code is about focusing your offer a message, creating a clear value proposition, creating a clear product offering, um, creating messaging that gets customers to engage and believe that what you're offering them is relevant. And, And that's kind of Pillar one. Pillar two is about structuring your sales process. So, you know, generally speaking, you know, there are kind of three ways you can acquire customers. You can do it by by proactively reaching out to customers. You can do it by working with third parties as partners or channel sales to get into, you know, and through them to get into to customers. And third is you're driving interest, inbound interest through inbound marketing. So we go through each of those three elements. How do you maximize your ability to to effectively reach out to customers? Um, drive inbound interest and work with third parties. And then the third piece that I found is often an issue is that, you know, a lot of these early stage companies don't come with very strong managerial experience. And so they don't have the the foundations of how do you set clear goals? How do you track your progress? How do you make decisions based on data rather than gut feeling? You know, how do you build an organization and a sales and marketing organization with clear responsibilities and, and elements? So the third pillar is really about the fundamentals of sales management and creating the clear targets and performance management elements and team so that you can execute effectively. And so what I do is I take them through that whole entire system and help them apply it. Um, and depending on the level of access they want to me personally, they can do it by just getting access to all the content through a video course, 
or they can have me do the system with them and take them, you know, lead them by the hand through a kind of a 10 week program. Or then there's a combination where they can basically get access to all the content and they tap into my knowledge and experience for five hours during the program. And then I help them implement. So, you know, it's a different level of access for different budgets and for different, you know, comfort levels in terms of working with a, an external service provider like me. That makes sense. Do you think given the level of global stability instability that we have and it's been quite an interesting three years to say the least <laughs> yeah i feel like in march of 2020 the world just exploded and it hasn't come back in normal since yeah it's become <laughs> it's interesting because the world's become exceptionally unpredictable absolutely. absolutely so in an exceptionally unpredictable world how is it possible to have predictive predictable sort of recurring revenue at all or not? Well, the short answer is yes, it's just harder to achieve it, right? So, so you know, it, you know, people haven't stopped buying products and services and companies haven't started functioning. It's just a lot more, un, you know, uncertain, as, as you just said, unpredictable. Uh, look, I, I think the, in, in these type of, of, um, of situations, I think there's kind of two things you have to address. One is the mindset and the other is the actions, right? So the mindset is, Yes, it's tougher, but the world is not ending. And I think that's important that you don't you don't get in that mindset of like, oh God, you know, what's going to happen? And you know, because you know that's not going to help anybody. So you know, kind of understanding that you know there have been times of trouble before. We've gotten through it. Um, you know, both of us are older enough old enough to experience have experienced you know the two thousand eight crash and then back the dot com crash in the early two thousands, right? So there's different times of the year you know of 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 history and even recent history where things have become unstable and you know they've kind of returned. So. It will be better. Um, but once you get the mindset down, I think the other part is you just have to do the fundamentals really, really well. And a couple of things that I always talk to my customers about is like the most important thing you can do when selling in this environment is keeping the funnel topped up, right? So that sales funnel of potential customers constantly has to be topped up. So you can't get into that comfort of like, oh, well, I've got enough customers now and, you know, things will be fine because, you know, customers disappear. Um, you know, I'm also chairman of a business to business tech scale up called Entavo. Uh, they basically uh, have a technology that enables uh, enterprise customers to create and to manage loyalty programs for their for their consumers. Um, you know, this is a company that's grown from nothing to about, you know, 6 million ARR a year with very blue chip customers globally. Um, you know, and what we're finding there is that we are going through six to 12 month sales cycles and literally the last possible moment these decisions have made, but they're delayed, right? So that's a classic case of like, we're, you know, we're going to hold off. Yes, we want you, but we're going to hold off. And so that what we're finding- so common right now. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think I think for that reason, you have to make sure that you have enough opportunities in the funnel so that you're not subject to one of these things disappearing and all of a sudden being in, in terror. So uh, long story short, um, you know, continue to really you know be smart about marketing, build brand awareness, build authority. Um, you know, when in times of difficulty, people tend to go with with suppliers they trust, you know, kind of is positioning your yourself as a as a leader in that position. So one of the things we do at Antabo, we have these loyalty leaders breakfasts where we'll have these intimate events, we'll invite uh, potential customers, we'll just create stronger, deeper relationships, share a lot of insights. We do a loyalty, customer loyalty report every year, we share the insights. So again, we're we're kind of creating that kind of comfort with with customers and making sure we we build the, the funnel. The second thing I think you have to do. And this, by the way, is going to be somewhat counterintuitive. 
Um, you know, you're thinking is, well, I got to have as many customers. So I'm going to go and, you know, talk to everybody. I actually think that's the wrong thing to do. I think that every single business has an ideal customer profile, right? The, the type of customer that is, is going to consider your solution, not one of many, but the perfect solution to their problem, yeah. right? You have to find more and more customers and target more customers that find you as the perfect fit. Because in times of difficulty, people are going to default to the easiest decision right? The easy solution. So don't fall into the trap of like just randomly, you know, well, it's just numbers game. I'm just going to reach out to a thousand customers and see what happens. No, focus your efforts on the customers who are most likely to consider you to be the perfect customer. Um, that's going to be an important thing. And then finally, um, I think it's really important that you don't lose sight of the long term, right? So investing into your products, investing into your team, um, you know, eventually the world will return to some sense of normalcy. And the last thing you want to do is to be have have sucked all of the energy and, and resources out of your company um, during this time period. Um, and, you know, be ready for when the, the market turns, it will turn quickly, you know, and I think that's something that people forget is that the, the market has a very short term memory, right? When things turn, then, you know, this is going to be a tremendous growth very quickly. And that is the problem. If you look at it, what you say is true. This will pass. We don't know when it will pass, but it will pass. And the danger that people are sort of doing right now, because a lot of companies just do not have the capital. When you think they overextended during COVID, took out loans, they expected a recovery to happen soon after COVID sort of came to an end when the lockdown stopped. But what we've seen is no one expected the war in Ukraine, high inflation, high interest rates, and that's further crippled business, which has made it very tempting for them to cut back all the stuff you're talking about like in terms of training and everything which is going to further hamper them when the next sales cycle comes and it will come when it comes to the actual pipeline keeping your pipeline topped up what percentage do you think they need to increase their pipeline by as a rule of thumb given the fact that decision making now is so protracted mm. Well, I mean, it, I think that's going to vary somewhat in terms of the industry and the size of the ticket that you're selling and so on. But you know, I'd say that if, you know, if looking at my business, I'd say that, you know, if you normally have a pipeline, an opening, you know, top of your funnel at 100, you probably want to get to 130, like little, maybe like 30% more um, just to make up for some, for some, you know, uncertainty as to how much of that converts, um, you know, is, remains to be seen. But I think, yeah, it is, it is a matter of being an, and I think, by the way, that's, that's the, that's, I think one of the toughest things about selling is, and, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners face this situation. It's like this feast or famine type of thing, right? Like you all of a sudden have a bunch of customers. You're like, Oh, it's great. It's fantastic. Now, you know, how am I going to deliver all these? Maybe I have to hire new people. And then two months later, it's like, you know, crickets. Right. And then it's this constant unpredictable effect. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. See get the work, do so, the work, get the work, do the work. Yeah, ex exactly. And and I think I think what you need to do in this environment is particularly not fall for that feeling of comfort of like, okay, well, everything's going well. And you know, you know, just keep pushing, um, you know, keep pressing ahead, getting more deals, getting more customers, you know, not not letting up on the gas. Because I think at the end of the day, um, you know, you're willing your ability. Your 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 sense of comfort is directly in proportion to the number of opportunities that you have, right? Mm -hmm. If you're if you're leaning on three customers and one of them disappears, you're really screwed. If you're leaning on thirty customers and three of them disappear, in the grand scheme of things, who cares, right? So, I, I think that's why it's really important um, that you have that that breadth of opportunity in, in whatever you do, whether it's customers, whether it's partnerships, 
um, you know, all these type of things. So if people are interested in sort of connecting with you and working with you, mm -hmm. so there's a lot of people tuning in today that are going to need this help. Yeah. What's the best way to go about it? Well, uh, I'm very active on LinkedIn, so you can find me on LinkedIn and and, and certainly reach out to me that way. Um, and I'd say, you know, one of the things that I, I, I'd love to connect with business to business focused founders, entrepreneurs, you know, who are in that stage of struggling with sales, who want to sell and market to enterprise customers. Um, and I actually want to offer uh, an opportunity for your listeners to take advantage of a, of a completely free free offer. Um, you know, the first step that I do when I, I start working with founders, I take them through this five-step process that I have where they can create a crystal clear value proposition, like one sentence that explains, you know, what problem they solve, who they solve it for, and why they're better than the competition. Kind of this is the lowest hanging fruit because oftentimes, um, you know, this is something that a lot of people can't do very efficiently. And so what I want to share um, with your listeners is if they go to zoltanvardi.com backslash podcast, so zoltanvardi.com slash podcast, they can access a free value proposition guide from me. Um, they can download a video. There's a worksheet to it. Um, and once they've seen it and they feel like they want to learn more, then there's an opportunity there to set up a one-on-one -on -one call with me to learn how we can potentially work together. So um, so uh, I'd love, love to hear from, from relevant uh, companies who they think uh, would benefit from this. Perfect. You know, thank you so much for that kind offer. Well, it's been great having you on the show today, Zoltan. If anything resonates with you as the audience and you want more information, head over to Balka.com and get in touch. Do you have any do you have any parting words of wisdom for the audience today? <laughs> this is the one where I'm gonna have to say something that's really memorable, right? Yeah, really um... memorable, really profound. <laughs> Not that I'm putting you on the spot or anything. Well, I I'd say that in the grand scheme of things, um, Markets change, products change, circumstances change. But the one thing that remains uh, ever present is the importance of persistence. And I think that uh, anybody who has taken on the incredible task of building a business, and I'm sure most of your uh, listeners have, uh, just keep in mind that uh, uh, that stick with it. And ultimately, um, if you do it long enough, uh, results will follow. Wise words. Well, thank you very much for being a great guest today. Thank you very much. It's been much. a pleasure having you. If you love today's episode, make sure that you like it, subscribe so you don't miss future episodes, and also share with others who may benefit from wise words of Zoltan. And remember, failing to learn is learning to fail. Stay safe, everyone.